This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a cold, cold December morning here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. Fort Rucker Studio just a couple miles away from Thompson Bowling Arena where Tennessee did defeat, uh, got a big home win over the weekend, did defeat the uh, Illinois Fighting Illini in a battle of two ranked teams, 86-79, to which leaves us a lot to discuss here with with basketball, a lot to discuss with football. Had the had my son's two year old birthday stuff yesterday. He is a big, bad, swinging two years old right now. So uh, that's a lot of fun. Got a lot of stuff to discuss here before we take him to his two year old appointment. Anyone who has those uh, has children knows that uh, at the different milestones, that's when you got to go to the doctor. We do a bunch of the two year old appointment stuff today, which means we also go get those uh, mean old kidneys looked at. So we got a lot to get to before we go do that. That. Fortunately, though, uh, I have Ben McKee with me here from his home studio, and we have plenty of time to discuss what we need to discuss in this episode, which is basketball in the first segment and football in the second segment. We got a lot of portal stuff to talk about, uh, but we'll kick off with basketball with Tennessee beating Illinois 86 to 79. We'll see where the Vols are in the new polls when they come out. Um, but a good win for Tennessee, a win Tennessee was expected to get, and a win Tennessee did get. Nonetheless, Ben, a nice win for Tennessee. Absolutely. I, I, I thought it was a, a great win for Tennessee, and, and I thought Saturday was uh, a game of two of the best basketball teams in the country, quite frankly. I, I, I think Tennessee and Illinois are probably in that second tier mm-hmm. after Kansas, Purdue, and Marquette and, and some others. Uh, but I, I think Tennessee and Illinois, I, I think they're, they're nipping at those heels uh, right behind those teams. And uh, Illinois ranked 20 on Saturday. Tennessee ranked 17. As you mentioned, the, the new poll will come out a little later today. Uh, we're, we are recording this late Monday morning. By the time this is published, uh, the, the new yeah. poll will be updated. Um, but the, my point is that Tennessee is not the 17th best team in the country, and Illinois is not the 20th best team in the country. Agreed. They're, they're two top seven, top ten-ish basketball teams. I, I was really impressed by Illinois and, and what they can do on the defensive end. And they have some nice pieces on the offensive end. My only worry about the Illinois team is they lack a true point guard. And I thought that was the difference in the game on Saturday 
uh, Zakai Ziegler being able to get Tennessee into things. Also, Santiago Vescovi being able to create and get Tennessee into things, whereas down the stretch, Illinois, they have some nice offensive weapons, but weren't really able to to utilize those weapons because they didn't have a true point guard to to facilitate. And also, probably the biggest takeaway from that basketball game, the play of Santiago Vescovi and Jemai Meshack and Zakai Ziegler, the defensive effort from ten, from Tennessee uh, to to take Terrence Shannon Jr., Illinois' best player, essentially away. He still scored 22 points, but a lot of those points came at the end of the game. And my my fra- favorite quote of the season so far was listening to Jemai Meshack talk yeah. after the game about his mindset in those type of moments, how he loves the plays that nobody notices throughout the course of a basketball game, and it's the plays where Illinois opposing teams – they have to go away from their star player, their best player. They they have to find offense through somebody else because Jemai Meshack himself or other Tennessee players are taking away the first option on a set. And that's what Jemai Meshack and Santi and Zakai were doing pretty frequently in that basketball game. And, and it was the difference in that basketball game. Yeah. For me, I thought that also, um, you know, Marcus Damask is a guy who – is a really, really nice player, a really nice wing. You know, Shannon gets a lot of the love there, but but the other wing there is very, very good. And Tennessee held him to two for 11 shooting from the field. And, uh, you know, Illinois has got a very, very good basketball coach, Brad Underwood, I would say a great basketball coach. And he said that he's not sure that, that Domask will go through that again the rest of the year, basically. He's not sure that anybody else will hold him to two for 11 because that's what kind of player he is. <laughs> But he also said that's what kind of defense Tennessee is. So, I mean, I think that was for, – for me, a couple things came into play in that game. One, I don't know that it was – it didn't show up necessarily as much on the stat sheet, although in some ways it did, was Vescovy looking like Vescovy again. That was number one for me. Number two was Saturday was the closest I, I think we've seen this season against a good team where Tennessee's players – fit into their roles like everybody has you know you call some guys stars and some guys role players really everybody's a role player and for for some guys that role is to be a star like Dalton Connect right put the ball in the bucket right do the things that people call you a star for or what people think of as a star but in the Tennessee program a guy like Dalton Connect and a guy like Jemai Meshack are viewed very equally because they both make plays that win you basketball games when a coach breaks down film and you saw guys doing what they're supposed to be doing. Guys, not everybody was perfect, obviously, and they shrank the bench quite a bit, went down to eight guys. Neither team played freshmen, by the way. Illinois has got a couple good freshmen. Tennessee's got some really good freshmen. Illinois freshmen played 80 seconds total in that game Tennessee's played zero seconds in that game that was a grown man's game and both coaches recognize that interesting that you also heard guys like Jay Billis acknowledge that saying I don't know that I'd play the freshman much in this game either because it's not their kind of game so I don't think that means Tennessee's going to have a short bench the rest of the year but there will be times and Illinois is one of those very very physically imposing teams where you really want to go with your grown men and that's what Tennessee did but you saw those guys fill their roles like go down the list look at all eight players who played in that game for Tennessee more or less they did to some extent what they're supposed to be doing and you saw that's why I wrote the column the way I wrote it after the game was because 
you cannot build a team full of Dalton Connects. You cannot build a team full of Jemai Mashaks. You can't build a team full of uh, Zakai Ziegler's. You can't build a team on any one of these guys. When you put them together, though, you see the puzzle that Tennessee was supposed to have this season, and that's why Tennessee is supposed to be a contender. That's why Tennessee's picked to win the SEC. That's why Tennessee is considered a Final Four contender, because when those pieces come together, you start to see, you know what? There's not really anything they don't have collectively. And that's the thing. It's not about... Um, they have a lot of depth. We know that they could play 12 guys if they needed to. They played eight in that game on Saturday. But for me, Ben, that's what it was. The is when Vescovy turns into Vescovy again, when James stays aggressive and takes the ball to the rim offensively, when he has the chance, when Ganey doesn't mind the fact that he misses his first five or so shots, then takes and makes two big ones. When Meshack is doing the dirty work and not trying to necessarily score, but trying to affect the game in every other way. When Tobe Awaka goes in there and goes, I'm just basically banging and getting rebounds. I'm taking my minutes and I'm owning every ball in the paint that I can get my hands on. When, you know, Adu is is comfortable to step out and take that shot, but also go in there and do his kind of version of slim banging. When everybody goes in there and does what they can do. You see the pieces on this team, and I think Saturday was the first time we saw, and I'm not surprised it happened at home either, Ben, that, that, and it's got to go on the road eventually, but this is the team Tennessee thought it had. Yeah, and you, you heard Illinois head coach Brad Underwood talk about that after the game, talk about how Final Four worthy Tennessee is, and the, the main thing that stood out to me, which you already knew, but it's it's another thing for a – a really good head basketball coach to to say it out loud. Tennessee can win in multiple ways. It, it is a very versatile basketball team, and, and that's why they are that. That's reason number one why they are so Final Four worthy and, and are very capable of making it to the Final Four is because they can win in so many different ways, and that is critical in March because you you have no idea what matchup you're you're going to run into. Uh, you you may run into a team where you're going to have to outscore them. You you may run into a, a team where it, it gets into a, a a grimy, ugly type of basketball game where you just have to get it out the mud, uh, vintage Memphis Grizzly style. Yep. And uh, th- this team is very capable of that. And and I, I think it's safe to say now, Wes, like the the offense has definitively improved from last season. And you, you still have that top defense in the country type of stuff going on. They're, they're probably going to bounce between one and two and three in the, the metrics this season in terms of defensive efficiency. Bottom line is they're one of the best defenses in the country, if not the best defense in the country. But instead of having that top 50 offensive efficiency, now it's more like in the 20s to 30s and a top 25 offense efficiency. And obviously you would still like to improve and, and, and continue to get better there. Now I think there's room for improvement on the offensive end uh, with, I, I went back and watched the game this, this morning and the, the broadcasters were constantly talking about how Zakai's Eagle is not quite at a hundred percent. And so if he's as efficient, we haven't really seen the point total from Zakai, but he's been yeah. super efficient these last couple of basketball games and made a lot of winning plays. So when he is back to 100%, what's that going to mean for the offense? Santiago Vescovi still trying to find his rhythm and how he fits in and plays off of 
Dalton Connect and Jordan Ganey. When Santi gets going, what's this offense going to look like? When you pair those pieces with the emergence of, of Jonas Adu and Dalton Connect, who is an absolute star, and Jordan Ganey, who's going to come in and, and fill it up off the bench, and Jemai Meshack, who can also create offensively and get to the free throw line and knock down free throws. I mean, that's seven, eight deep on the offensive end that can can really put up points as a collective unit. And also, Tobey Awak is in there grabbing offensive rebounds left and right for, for putbacks, and he'll have a jump hook or uh, a post score once or twice a game to go along with those offensive rebounds and, and putbacks. So you already have this elite defense, and now all of a sudden your offense – is going to be in that top 15 to top 20 range of efficiency. And that combination, Wes, along with experience, and they, they've kind of battled through adversity, this core, throughout their careers, That that's a heck of a combination and a, and a deadly combination and why so many people are so high on Tennessee when projecting to March. Yeah, Ben, I know that a lot of people to this day, I mean, there, there's all kinds. There's Torvik. There's all kinds of other metrics out there now, too. But for me, the reason, at least to me, and there are people who know more about metrics than I do, but until this, until Pomeroy's adjusted efficiency metric is proven incorrect, I still go by this because without fail, you can go in just about every season and you can look at it. If you are ranked top 30 in both adjusted offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive efficiency, you are a championship contender. If you are top 20 in both, a big, big upset is basically the only thing that's going to keep you from the final four. That That's basically how it goes. If you're top 30 in both, you're absolutely a contender. You're definitely a contender. Because and right now, Tennessee is 28 in offensive efficiency and five in defensive efficiency. Yes, which to me means if you break that down, Tennessee gets a little bit better on offense. It goes from absolutely a contender to a team that would, on paper, be a Final Four team unless it got upset. That That's that's the line there. That's the line. And to me, offensively, Tennessee it's starting to remind me, not in terms of execution, because at the NBA level, the execution offensively is just at another level. It's on another plane. It's the best players in the world playing together and playing just absolutely stunning offensive basketball. All of them can make all of the plays, more or less, right? There's some one-trick ponies, but basically, and they're elite at that one thing. But you got a lot of guys who can do a lot of things. But what I mean by this is when you look at this Tennessee team, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, you would think that Connect's going to be the leading scorer. You know what you're going to get from him point-wise if he's healthy. And then after him, you've got about six or seven other guys who maybe could go off for 20. You don't know who it's going to be. It might be a kind of whose game is this, right? Who's in rhythm? Who's feeling it? Who's feeling good? And sometimes it might be four guys getting 12 points each. But you know pretty much that you're going to get what you're going to get from connect because his brand of basketball, it's not like it's, it's, um, you know, it's not like it's, it's impossible to have a bad game, but when you can put the ball on the deck and make tough twos the way he can, it's a lot more difficult to have a bad game because he makes those shots around the rim pretty automatically. in a lot of cases games are, 10, 12, 14 points. Yes, because he's going to get his, right? Like if he adds those threes and really gets going, then he gets going to the mid-range, then he feels good, then he's going to put up 30 or 40, and he can do that at the blink of an eye. But his bad games, he can still put the ball on the deck and go get you a bucket because he is a bucket. 
and he will have games where he'll where, where he'll go off, but he won't have many bad games. So you know you're going into it from that. Ganey is still a guy who I think is going to run hot and cold, but when he runs hot, he's going to score points because he's going to shoot the ball, and I love that about him. I love – I have wanted for a long time for Tennessee to have a player. It's basically been since Kevin Punter where they had a guy who it was like if he's making them or he's not, he's taking them. And he's aggressive and he's confident and he thinks they're going down because those guys, Tennessee has needed more of those guys. It has had too many guys who miss a couple shots and then run and hide because they're afraid of getting benched or they just don't want to hurt their team. I like these kind of guys without a conscience. I like those guys on offense. You need a couple of them. You need at least one. And and Tennessee right now has two that say, you know what? I'm taking mine. And I think that kind of confidence, you cannot – be good in this game. You cannot be great in this game without a couple guys in your team having that kind of confidence. So people can get frustrated when he goes three for 13. That's fine. I do not care one bit. I don't because I know he's also going to have some nine for 13 and 10 for 13s in the mix. Absolutely. And I like that you added in there that Tennessee has two of those guys because Dalton Connect, I, I think, fits that same mold as well. But as it relates to, to the Illinois game, I, I, I really thought that that was a preview of things to come. We know what we're going to get with Tennessee's defense. The The North Carolina game, that, that to me, I said it at the time, I think that's going to prove to be very much like last year's Colorado game to where for whatever, re- whatever weird reason, they did not show up ready to play basketball. And shame on them for not being, in, being ready to play basketball in the Dean Dome. We talked about that. That's weird. I don't know how that happens, but it did happen. Uh, that that was not a reflection of Tennessee's defense this season and, and what it will be is my point. And so we know what we're going to get with Tennessee's defense. And I thought Saturday was a sign of of a preview of what this offense is going to be pretty consistently. I mean, coming into the game, Illinois was 11th in defensive efficiency and Tennessee put up 86 on them. And that is with. We talk about the middle eight in in football, kind of the the middle yeah. ten, if you want to call it, or, or we can go middle eight in, in bas in the in the basketball game as well. The the last couple minutes of the first half and the first couple minutes of the second half, Tennessee wasn't really making shots. And also, they I believe they had a four minute stretch towards the end of the game when it, it when Illinois was making it ugly and trying to get Tennessee to the free throw line and, and getting itself to the free throw line. They're Four minutes or so where that was very well coached. That was very well coached and scrappy from Illinois, and it almost gave him a chance. It almost did for sure. But Tennessee scored 86 against the 11th efficient defense in the country, according to Ken Palm. It's now 14 after Saturday, Uh, but a top 15 defense despite having two runs in that game in which it did not get the ball in the hoop. Uh, And and it was a home game that helps. I, I get that. But Illinois was stout defensively. Mm-hmm. They, they, you could see the makings of a good defensive team there at times as well. And, and Tennessee scored eighty six against them. So uh, I, I thought Illinois was a good sign of yes, this offense has absolutely improved from last season, and it's going to be far more consistent than it was a season ago. And it doesn't have to be as good as the defensive end. It just can't lose you basketball games. And it, it to me is going to be in that top twenty, top twenty five range, if not better. And that is a good place to be. And the other thing, Wes, with these games and performances that we're talking about and, and the defensive ratings, offensive ratings on Kimpom, it's against the fifth hardest schedule in the country. Mm-hmm. There's only four teams ahead of Tennessee 
and it's Texas Southern, Eastern Washington, Florida A and M, and Southern. It's it's, t- schools, it's it seems that are buying games to fund their athletic yes. department. Yes, Tennessee is the only power six school in the top seven toughest schedules on Ken Palm. So not only do the metrics look good for this Tennessee basketball team in terms of efficiency on both ends of the floor, they're doing it against the most difficult schedule in the power six. And that that to me is also a great sign of things to come. Yeah, and I think to me it, it looks like from that game, the last thing I got just from that game in particular I thought there are a lot of people for, for some reason, and, and I get why society's like this, but it, it's more hesitant to give flowers than it is to give to to give criticism. And there's a lot of things with with Barnes and his tenure. Listen, we know postseason stuff, guys. We know it. We never forgot it. When it gets there, we'll discuss it again. He's got to win those at some point. Not ignoring that. Not denying that. But we're not there yet. So let's talk about what's in front of us. Let's talk about what we're talking about right now. And that is that in that game, you know, Barnes got a little bit outfoxed early on and then made some adjustments and outfoxed Illinois down the stretch because there was some stuff in the first half. Tennessee thought it was going to throw some defensive wrinkles at at Illinois that Illinois wasn't going to be happy about. And Underwood after the game said Tennessee was doing some different stuff on matching and things that they didn't expect, but they were able to get good shots anyway because they were able to get the matchups they wanted and get the kickouts. So Tennessee tried to throw a wrinkle at them. Illinois, very well-coached team, very talented team. It could handle it, and Tennessee missed some shots, and Illinois goes ahead at the break. Tennessee goes in in the second half, tightens some things up, and then defensively just kind of put the clamps on them. They made the adjustments. Rick Barnes, the, 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 uh, the old dog, learned some, had some old tricks in him and went in there and made some adjustments, and his players made plays, and they won that game. And, yes, it's at home. It's at home. But still, I think that was there are games, there are times in the season when you can see the experience of a guy like Barnes and how much it helps the team. And I think that was one of those moments, too. And let's not forget 21,678 people there helping you, too. That helps the cause also. But I thought that was good. And I also think it was nice. We saw that now that Barnes is explaining more about what's going on with Vescovy, I think it makes even more since, you know, he, he went out and finally said publicly about his grandmother passing away. That was the family thing, or at least one of them. So now we can discuss that. It's not improper. Barnes has discussed it. We can discuss it. That's how the rule goes, I think, with personal stuff like that. Uh, that's my rule anyway. And, and so that's happened. And apparently academically, he's really trying to get some stuff done and graduate. And so he's had a really tough semester academically. And I imagine flying home to start the semester didn't, or or, or in the middle of the semester, didn't really help any of that stuff. We're on midterms and all that stuff going on. Uh, So he has been through the, the ringer personally for the past few months. And it's a reminder, you never know what other people are carrying. You'd never do. We all make this mistake. People in our business, Ben, make this mistake all the time. We do not take into account, yes, it's a results-oriented business. Yes, it is. But at the end of the day, these are humans. These are fallible humans, and things will affect them. And that might not be the whole story with Vescovy. There might be more to it. But from what we know, just what we know, kids, kids had a rough few months. And you saw in that game maybe why Barnes early in the season, that's almost certainly why he took until the North Carolina game to say something about it because he wanted, he was like, listen, this is one of my dogs. This is one of my old junkyard dogs. I know what this guy's all about. 
he's going to get there and I'm going to have his back until he does. And then for whatever reason, that North Carolina game, he was like, I can't take this anymore. And he finally came out and said something. And then after all that kind of, you know, support and then some tough love at the very end, maybe the semester coming to an end or getting ready to also, you're starting to see Vescovy maybe come out of it. And if he's back, then I think, hey, you say one thing, that's great news just for him personally. That's great news for his team. And I think it also says something about Barnes and his man management and his and his program. I completely agree. Santi had a, a tough week or two there um, between uh, that, that North Carolina game and, and, and Saturday. Santi just was not himself. And uh, Rick Barnes spoke after the George Mason win last Tuesday night about the practice last Monday not being great and, and him kind of getting after his team. And 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 that was a practice that the media was able to attend. And Santi was one of the culprits. He, he just wasn't himself uh, there for a week or two stretch. And college kids, uh, a lot of stress in their life, especially with the last couple of months that Santi has had, like you said, Wes, and just kind of it seems from the outside looking in, it, it seems like it really got to him. And uh, between that George Mason win and Saturday's win against Illinois, something happened to where he snapped out of it. And uh, you, you saw a different Santi with a different type of bounce to him, a different edge to him. And he smiled. He smiled multiple times. Uh, he, he he was terrific on Saturday in so many different ways. And uh, my, my last thought, just kind of building off of what I was talking about earlier about the offense and defense and, and just Saturday, me thinking that that's a preview of things to come this season – is that it's a preview because everybody and Rick Barnes said this after the game for the first time this season, everybody played their role perfectly on Saturday. Everybody did exactly what this group of personnel needs them to do. Zakai and Jamai and Santi were, were all over the place making plays and in different areas of the game. Josiah Jordan, James three of 10, but still had 12 points and was still aggressive, had six rebounds, seven assists, flirted with a triple-double once again. Josiah had a nice game. Don't connect, scored uh, as he does because he is a professional scorer. Jonas Adu, 14 points, seven rebounds, four in the offensive end, two blocks, did what he does. Uh, Tobey came in and grabbed seven rebounds, four were on the offensive glass. Everybody did what they were supposed to. Everybody played their role perfectly and and that should be a nice building block for them to continue to to really perfect their role moving forward and if everybody can perfect their role and and play exactly what this team needs from from them individually then uh, the the sky truly is the limit for this basketball team yeah that's my final thought too and I've, I've mentioned this a couple times in in the in this segment for a reason about guys playing their roles because Rick Barnes trusts this team about as much as he's trusted a team since he's been at Tennessee in terms of the percentage of the guys on the team that he trusts, right? There was that year where you had cycled up and you had, you know, Grand Admiral, Bone, all those guys, Turner, definitely, and Barnes trusted that bunch. And he trusts this bunch. Like, I would say Vescovy and James are probably in the conversation for two of the five players he's trusted most in his time at Tennessee, just in terms of knowing what they're about and what he's going to get from them, what he expects from them. And and so he's got a bunch of those guys who are definitely in that top 10 or so on this team in terms of guys that he trusts 
a lot, right? Like Ziegler, for the most part, he trusts him implicitly, like a, like an extension of himself on the floor. And he is going to – that trust, I think, is going to be something that's going to be tested at times during conference play because you know it's going to be tough. It always is. There's going to be a couple losses there you don't expect or don't want. There, there's going to be some moments where things don't look great because that's every single season that's ever happened. But uh, I think at the end of the day, if this team stays mostly healthy, I think he trusts this team. And, and I think he believes in what this team can do. And I think we saw on Saturday some of those pieces fall into place and what this team kind of could be. So I, I think there's a lot to uh, I think there's a lot to discuss there. But there's also a lot of football stuff to discuss, Ben. Unless you got anything else that you want to add about hoops, I think we're good for the first segment. So what we're going to do is we're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc. Come back and talk a little football, 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 portal, portal, portal here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ad you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Quest Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. No longer joined by Ben McKee. We had to uh, do a Red 7, Red 7 Omaha hot route. We had to uh, switch over to Ryan Callahan because uh, a couple reasons. One, we got some portal stuff, uh, some recruiting stuff, and Ryan's the guy to go to if you want to combine those two into one. And the other uh, also practical thing, Ben had to get to basketball practice uh, to, to talk to some some players and coaches today, and at least one of us needed to go there. Ben went there, so uh, he's taking care of that. We have Ryan here, and we're going to get into all this football stuff here in just a moment after a quick request from our end. If you could please go in there for about a, about a minute go in there rate review and subscribe to this podcast we really would appreciate it if you're just listening on the website at goballs247.com nothing wrong with that no wrong way to consume this podcast however it does help us more if you go into apple Podcasts, spotify iheart tune in stitcher amazon anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod you can find this goballs247 podcast we do this for free and we're happy to do it no complaints since we're doing it for free though I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends, tell everybody that you know or everybody that you want to know, everybody that's wearing orange, just please keep doing that. That's why this thing has grown week over week, month over month, year over year since we've done it is for that very reason. So if you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points 
and may God have mercy on your soul. Straight into football here, Ryan. I guess first before we do that, welcome on in. Sorry we uh, we had to do the quick uh, Omaha hot route there, but uh, we got you on for the second segment anyway. That's that's all right. Ho- hope you're doing well, and uh, yeah, I hope you guys didn't have too much fun without me in the first segment. No, not too much, uh, although we did have a basketball win to talk about, which made it more enjoyable for, pe- for people to listen to, I imagine, so people were probably very, very pleased with that. But on the football front, Ryan, we got a few things to discuss, really, all of them related to the common denominator of course which is roster management this is the crazy crazy time of year where you got portal in portal out recruiting in recruiting out nfl draft decisions bowl you know declaration decisions etc a million things going on but just to catch you up on where things are with tennessee in the portal right now officially they're at least as of Monday around lunchtime when we're recording this, or just early lunchtime, I guess you could say. Tennessee's got nine players officially listed in the portal that we know of. That would be Deshaun Rucker, Danico Slaughter, Tyler Barron, Connor Meadows, Addison Nichols, Mo Clipper, Jack Luttrell, Brandon Turnage, and Warren Burrell. One of those, Burrell, has made a commitment. He is going to Georgia Tech. Nice landing spot for him uh, to, to finish his college career. And the other guys will see. A couple of those guys um, are going to be nice little prospects for the portal for somebody, uh, especially we all know Barron. That's a big one. If he decides to end up going somewhere, it's going to probably be to a very, very, very big school. And, in fact, one that might – play and be a rival of Tennessee. So we will see how that well, all shakes out. Well, I was going to say that just to show you what the portal's like, you know, I, I mentioned on the, on the checkerboard on go balls 24 seven, uh, when he first entered the transfer portal, I, I thought he might end up at Alabama and that's still a possibility maybe, but, um, I think that's already shifted. You know, I think things have already changed. I think that one, you know, NIL, I think will will end up being a factor in that one. And, and it'll be interesting to see what he does. If I, if I'm Tyler bear and I, you know, I, I would be tempted to just take my chances in the draft. I, I don't know what uh, what the extra year in college uh, or, or don't know that it's going to help him enough to, to, to justify coming back for another year and, and risking injury and all of that. But um, but hey, a uh, lot, lot of money out there, a lot of schools interested in him and he's going to have some good options. But yeah, the way it's looking uh, just in the past 72 hours, it's changed. I think he's you know much more likely to end up somewhere other than Alabama now as opposed to. Um, when it first started, it looked like he probably was headed to Alabama. And if uh, not going to Alabama means there's a greater chance that if football doesn't pan out, he can get a job in Knoxville after all when he's done. So, uh, you know, that to, to people who, who matter to those things, if, if it matters to him, um, you know, crossing that third Saturday in October divide is not usually a great thing for guys professionally in the greater Knoxville area. But uh, we will see what goes on with Barron and all those things. But as things stand now, Ryan, with Tennessee – with the portal, with recruiting, I guess specifically with tight end. There's a lot going on there with all this stuff. Where are things generally right now, in your opinion? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's been about what we expected so far with the transfer portal. Tennessee hasn't been hit too heavily. You mentioned the kind of the the, the number of guys who've entered the portal so far, and, and it sounds like you know probably a lot, but that's I think a, a typical amount of mm-hmm. yeah. attrition, honestly, for what you're going to have year to year in this era of college football. Uh, with all the all the transfer portal opportunities that are out there, you just you, you need to peel off a few players e- each year, probably, and and you're going to have some that just naturally leave because they're buried on the depth chart or see better opportunities elsewhere, or frankly because they're they're looking for for a, a payday in, in some cases, yeah. and um, and decisions have to be made, and and you can't 
can't give everyone what they're what they're wanting these days. So, uh, and, and yeah, that's that's definitely what's happened with some players. With other players, it's you know they just want an opportunity to get on the field and will feel they'll have a better chance somewhere else. So, um, yeah, not not a not a huge surprise. Most of the names that we've seen pop up in the portal, a, a couple surprises. I think Danico Slaughter. Yeah, that was a little um, surprising. Pro- that that's probably one that people didn't see coming. But again, I think I think that's you know probably an example of a guy that. Uh, you know, might might have some opportunities out there, and and you know, a lot of a lot of these seniors, they they come in kind of asking for a lot in, in terms of NIL. I think because they, in their minds, they're they're looking for justification for passing up a chance at the NFL. Um, because an NFL payday, even if you make a practice squad, is you know a few hundred thousand dollars, uh, or or if you make a if you make a roster, mm-hmm. uh, in in some form or fashion, practice squad is like what twelve thousand dollars a week or something like that. It's a, a good good amount of money that you're passing up, uh, the, the, just the chance to make an NFL roster. And so to justify that, guys want to make a lot of money if they're going to come back for an extra year of eligibility or their senior year or whatever. And you just can't can't take care of all those guys. You just can't uh, when when they're when they're they're wanting that kind of. Uh, of reward for coming back so um that those kinds of things are going to happen and that's why you've probably seen some somewhat surprising decisions in a couple cases but that, that's just the the way of the world th- these days in college football and, uh, and and schools and collectives have to make their their own decisions about you know where to where to use their resources that's just um just one of the realities of today so so slaughter you know probably headed elsewhere it looks like um we'll, we'll see still waiting on some guys who who haven't announced that they're entering the portal yet uh and, and haven't officially entered the portal you know to mary mcdonald and some other guys like that we've there's been some talk uh, of, of them maybe looking around but uh we'll see what what comes of it with some of those guys uh you know obviously you've got some other players who are looking to make uh decisions on whether they'll play in the bowl game coming up and whether they will enter the nfl draft or, or stay for another year like jalen wright um, Gabe, Judy, Lally, some of those players, Omar, Norman, Lott, you know, that we, that we think will stay. Um, and, and, and some of those types of guys, Gerald Mincy, um, and, and no final word on most of them so far, but, uh, the, the portal, you know, we've gotten at least a good bit of clarification, still waiting on some others, but, but we have a much better idea of kind of where Tennessee stands numbers wise. And, and again, not many huge surprises. And, and, and the, on the other, on the other end, Tennessee is obviously looking for a lot of help at a number of positions. Um, tight end being, you know, probably the most pressing need, and and they hosted a visitor there this past weekend. Holden stays, uh, tight end from Notre Dame, who's a uh, a sophomore this past season, two two seasons of eligibility left, and he he very quickly emerged as a priority for Tennessee at that position last week after entering the portal, and now he's going to take a couple more visits to to Washington and Oklahoma this week. It sounds like, um, barring a change of plans uh, here in the in the coming days. Uh, before making his decision on where to go, but it does sound like Tennessee made a really good impression there and has a good chance. Uh, and then they've got s- some other tight ends uh, that they're still pursuing too. Jordan Dingle from Kentucky. Uh, I laugh every. Had- I'm going to laugh every single time I hear that name. Just so you know, just full <laughs> stop. Every time I hear his name, I laugh. But go on. Well, and and, and that's a guy with Middle Tennessee ties. He, he's originally from uh, Murfreesboro. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his brother Justice Dingle that was with him at Kentucky the past few years actually still finishing up his Kentucky career this season, but, um, uh, but justice played at, at Oakland and they were in Murfreesboro for a while. And then, uh, they moved to Bowling Green, Kentucky to finish their high school careers. And then obviously both have ended up at Kentucky justice transferred from Georgia tech to Kentucky. And then Jordan signed with Kentucky out of high school. Um, uh, but now he's headed to the portal, two seasons of eligibility left. 
He was freshman All-SEC last year, not as productive this year with Kentucky's passing game not being quite as great, but um, but a, a pretty coveted tight end in the transfer portal. And it looks like he could visit Tennessee this week or uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what he decides to do. But Tennessee was scheduled to visit him on Monday uh, with Josh Heupel and Alec Ablin headed to Kentucky to see him. So he's another option. And also uh, Bauer Sharp uh, from southeastern Louisiana, one of those guys from a smaller school who's kind of popped up that, uh, that, that you see in the transfer portal these days, like a Jared Verse going from Albany to Florida State and, and some of those types of players who just kind of blow up at a smaller school. Yeah. He's an, another one of these guys who's really made a name for himself, moving from quarterback to tight end at southeastern Louisiana and putting up some pretty good numbers at tight end and and also having sort of an all-around skill set because he's a former quarterback um, that's that's gotten him some rushing production and things like that. So you wonder if he could be a, a Princeton Fant type yep, that, that can yep. maybe be used in, in multiple ways in, in an offense like Tennessee. So he's another guy who's scheduled to visit Tennessee this weekend as of right now. So a few options there at tight end. Uh, that's kind of the, the biggest, most pressing need, but Tennessee's pursued some guys at other positions too. So um, and, and then – uh, I, I guess on the high school recruiting front, sort of related to that position, Tennessee lost a commitment this past week from uh, from Jonathan Eccles, the longtime four-star commitment from IMG Academy down in Florida. So that's only added to the urgency for Tennessee to add some help at tight end. That that certainly takes away from the numbers right now, at least, for, for the 2024 season. Only two returners at that position, both of them young guys, uh, Emmanuel Okoye and Ethan Davis. So not a lot of experience there coming back. Tennessee obviously needs someone who can come in and, and start, frankly, if not at least play a lot right away. I mean, Ethan Davis can, I think, contribute there next year, but you probably need a, a, a day one starter out of the transfer portal. So that's been a huge priority for Tennessee. But now you need at least a high school guy to go along with him for numbers purposes. and Or, you know, potentially, or another young portal guy, maybe. I was going to say, uh, potentially a second from the portal. I, you know, I, uh, We'll see what they can get there. You know, I think guys like Stays and, and Jordan Dingle, I, I don't think you can plan on getting the, the two of them. I, I, don't, I don't know how realistic that is. So I don't think Tennessee's planning on it. Their, their pitch to Holden Stays this weekend was, hey, you're the, you can be the guy. Uh, we had two guys this past season in McAllen Castles and Jacob Warren who – who shared the workload there, and, and you can kind of take both of those roles on uh, if, if you come here. So I think their focus right now is is just at least getting one good one that they know can come in and play um, because I think with the way Tennessee uses the tight end position kind of one at a time, uh, it, it is it is going to be harder to get two, uh, two guys who come in, you know, thinking they can play at least uh, at, at any school to, to come in at the same time and, and expect to rotate. So – the focus right now is on getting one but yeah you've at least got to get uh, another guy at that position whether it's a high school guy like cole harrison from california or or as you said maybe maybe there's a way you can pull off a second portal guy a younger guy maybe uh, less experienced that's obviously more of a project Uh, but whatever the case they've got to get some numbers there so that's been a huge priority and obviously focused on getting a starter at that position going into next season so yeah a lot happening and, and coaches certainly out on the road and setting up a lot of visits for this weekend and or trying to set up visits for this weekend as they look to, to address some of those needs and kind of reacting to, to what's happened so far with their own players entering the portal. Yeah. The whole thing with, with Eccles, I don't think we need to dwell on it. I, I think normally if a kid's decommitting, I think you, you maybe look at where he's going and that can tell you a story. And, and I think, you know, he obviously, he and Alex Golish are, 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 are tight from recruiting him at Tennessee to begin with. So, but he, he didn't go to like an Alabama or Georgia. So I think there, there's just, you know, I think Tennessee liked him as a prospect. He's still a good prospect, but 
you know, I think that that speaks enough for itself for me anyway, and, and we'll see what kind of player he ends up being because there's obviously talent there. But well, and and yeah, the, like you said, sometimes the story can can look one way, and it's it's not always the the case that sure, that it's sure. that it's kind of the way it looks. Uh, I think some people might have had the initial impression that hey, he's flipping from Tennessee to USF. Did Tennessee drop him or process him or whatever you want to want to call it? I don't think that's what happened here. I think this is one of those rare cases where a player willingly flipped to a lesser school or a lower level school or whatever you want to call USF in relation to Tennessee. Um, but not, you know, not the type of move you see a whole lot. Um, but like you said, that relationship was there with Alex Golish with some other guys on his staff who followed him from Tennessee that have known Jonathan Eccles for a while. So, um, and he's right there in, in, in USF's backyard, been playing at IMG Academy in the Tampa area uh, for the past couple of years. And, and being there has, has given them a chance to to just strengthen that relationship over the past year. So um, give Golish and that staff a lot of credit for staying on him, never giving up on him. They almost hosted him on official visit in June before Tennessee kind of shut that down at the time. Uh, and then they end up flipping him in, in the end. And, and obviously it's not a situation where Tennessee didn't need him. They could have used him for numbers purposes and they had no intentions of, of parting ways with him because of that. Um, but at the same time, I think it's one of those deals where, no one's too upset about this one on either side. Sure, like I, sure. I, think, I think Tennessee thinks it'll be okay. I don't think this is a devastating blow for Tennessee long-term because I'm not sure what Jonathan Eccles long-term ceiling is at that position. That's still a bit of a mystery because he's a talented athlete, but people always saw him as a little more of an edge rusher at a lot of schools. And, and Tennessee was one of the schools willing and willing to play him at the preferred position that he wanted to play. Uh, which was tied in. So, um, you know, not extremely productive in high school at that position, but um, but solid enough that he's obviously got some upside. So we'll, we'll see how that works out for him. But, uh, you know, congrats to him on the on the decision and, and, and certainly best of luck to him. But a long time Tennessee commitment going elsewhere less than uh, two weeks before signing day. And it certainly at least changes the initial uh, outlook for next season. Uh, we'll see if they address that down the stretch in, in this 2024 class or with another transfer portal edition or whatever. But certainly have to have more depth at that position and losing Jonathan Eccles, at least in the short term, you know, doesn't help with that. Um, you do have to replace him, even if it's not seen as a devastating loss for Tennessee in the long run. Yeah, I, I see it kind of as, and I don't mean that insulting in any way. I, 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 I see it as a shrewd move from a kid who might see an opportunity closer to home where he can have a more certain ability to kind of get on the field. And, and you know, I, I think that's, I can understand why he made the decision that he made. I think it's pretty smart business, and I don't. I don't understand why some kids and why more kids don't do that. See an opportunity at a place that is just maybe one little step down, but it's an opportunity that's more safe to or secure to get on the field and closer to home. So, anyways, regardless, yeah, I, go ahead. I thought th I was gonna say I, I thought that too, and and it's the kind of move you often see from players when they're in the transfer portal. Frankly, you know, yeah. <laughs> to get on the field, I'm going to go from the SEC to. A, a, a non-SEC school, a, a lower level school, and and make sure I get on the field. And I think that's part of what the decision-making process was for him is, hey, I'm not sure I can play early, certainly, at, at Tennessee, and, and maybe I don't have quite the relationship with Tennessee that I did when, when Alex Golish was there um, or, or just hasn't felt quite as comfortable or whatever. So, hey, I'm going to go this place where I, I do have that relationship and where I do think I can play it's honestly, like you said, it's kind of a smart decision, I think, in this day and age that you don't see players make often enough. I think too often players kind of go to the highest level school they can go to. If you get an 
if you've got a USF offer and then Alabama offers, you know that most kids are going to take the Alabama offer mm-hmm. if they can. That's just sort of how it goes. Um, but in this case, you know, I think he went with the comfortable fit, the place where he knows he can get on the field. And I, I think it might work out well for him there. So that's, uh, you know, again, credit to him for maybe seeing the seeing the big picture there and being willing to to, to sort of take that step down and in, in, in prestige um, by going from Tennessee to USF. But um, actually a little bit of breaking news here. I, I mentioned to Mary McDonald um, being a possibility to go to the transfer portal. It does sound like he has now entered the transfer portal, according mm-hmm. to Matt Zenitz of 24 seven sports. So um, that one is uh, that one is, is one that we've been watching closely and now he is um, entering the transfer portal according to sources. So that's not a, he's not officially in the portal, but he is headed there. Uh, according to sources, so definitely uh, another, another you know probably mildly surprising at least addition to the transfer portal and a veteran from Tennessee secondary that they now might have to look to replace going into next season. Yeah, Ryan, that that brought me that actually dovetails nicely with the last point I wanted to make before getting out of here, but and then asking you obviously where things stand with recruiting at the end, which I always do is kind of a blanket. Hey, where the hell are things right now, Ryan? But in in terms of, I think. Uh, one lens to look at this through which to look at this is that these, some of these guys who are seniors, you mentioned earlier about them kind of wanting a little bit of help and you have to make decisions on who you want to keep and who you don't, who you want to support and who you really can't remember that these kids didn't have NIL opportunities coming straight out of high school. And so, and so they look at these freshmen and sophomores coming in the past couple of years and they say, I didn't get those opportunities. I damn sure want them now. And I do not blame any of them one bit if they feel like the gravy train, they missed the first boarding of the gravy train and they want to get on it now. I do not blame them one bit for that. And I think that's probably, in my opinion anyways, at least part of what's going on there. But before we get out of here, Ryan, where are things with recruiting right now? A couple weeks, obviously. I mean, signing day is right around the corner, right? I mean, it's happening. So where are things right now with Tennessee? What do you expect uh, movement-wise? It's obviously impossible to predict in totality but generally speaking where are things right now what could happen uh yeah so so one more thing on the transfer portal stuff uh before we shift to that i i i think it's you make a good point there and about those guys not having the chances out of high school to uh to pursue nil opportunities and they've had to sort of get that while they've been in college uh that that's there there has been sort of a catching up process i think some some people think that once you get to the point of you know we're just a couple years in nil now um, that, that once you get a couple of years further down the road and everyone who's in college football ha- and, and college sports for that matter has been recruited with, within an NIL framework, that it might calm down some of the transfer portal stuff at least a little bit. And, and because of what you're talking about, the fact that these guys came to school and they've sort of had to enter the transfer portal as leverage to, to get what they've been wanting in terms of NIL. So that will be interesting to see long term how that works out. But yeah, that's, um, you know, don't be surprised if those guys do end up leaving Tennessee and they end up at some pretty decent programs. I think just experienced players in the sec are going to be coveted by some other schools. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what kind of opportunities to Mary McDonald might have and, uh, where Danico slaughter might be looking at going, but those are, those are guys that have played a lot of football for Tennessee. And even though they're not, you know, I wouldn't say McDonald's, a a, a, a amazing athlete. I don't, I don't think he's a guy that, that, that's seen as the fastest and the, uh, can jump the highest out of Tennessee's defensive backs. He's he's still a guy that that had a lot of trust from Tennessee's coaching staff. So I think you'll you'll probably see that reflected in some of his opportunities. He's also got some family um, considerations to to weigh and might be looking to get closer to home, from what I understand. Originally from Memphis, but 
you know, I don't know if that means he's going to stay in state or, or what. So we'll, we'll see where he decides to go. And if, you know, he's one that maybe could still be on the table to, to return to Tennessee, but I think most of those guys are, are, are probably headed elsewhere that we've seen into the portal so far. And I would certainly include Tyler Barron in that group. If anyone's holding out hope that he might return, I, I don't see that happening. So I think he's probably headed elsewhere this time, even though he has entered in, and left the portal uh, in the past. Um, as for recruiting, you know, down the stretch, yeah, a lot to still be decided about Tennessee's class after the Jonathan Eccles D commitment. Tennessee's down to 19 commitments. Uh, they're, they're now down to number 14 in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. So not where they wanted to be here down the stretch. They had a big miss last week that kept them from jumping back into the top 10 uh, when five-star offensive tackle Jordan Seaton uh, out of IMG Academy and down in Florida committed to Colorado and really shocked a lot of people with that decision. Uh, Tennessee was thought by a lot of people to maybe be where he was, uh, the school he was going to pick going into that announcement, but he kind of surprises people by announcing it on the TV show Undisputed uh, on what FS1, I think it is, and uh, announced his decision there and, you know, gets the the sort of national stage. And, uh, and you know, Deion Sanders obviously probably had, had something to do with hooking that up and, and making that announcement possible on a national stage like that. And, you know, that that's, that's obviously a blow to Tennessee. That's That's, that was the big name still out there for Tennessee that maybe could have uh, lifted the balls into the, you know, top seven or eight in the, in the team rankings down the stretch, depending on how they finished. And now, uh, you know, it's going to be hard for them to, to, to crack the top 10. Frankly, they've got some names still out there. They're trying to add, but none of them with that kind of uh, rankings power that could have really elevated them that much the way Jordan Seaton could have. They're still looking to add a tight end. I mentioned Cole Harrison from California, maybe the most realistic possibility there. They're still trying with Michael Smith, the South Carolina commitment. We'll see if anything changes there, if they can get him to visit this weekend. I would classify that as a long shot right now, but still maybe in play going into this final uh, nine days or so leading up to signing day. So a lot to keep an eye on this week. And that's one of many players we'll be watching to see if they end up visiting Tennessee this week. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of what's left to watch is transfer portal related, but there are some high school names still out there. We'll see if any other high school names surface at, at wide receiver or anywhere else. Uh, you know, Tennessee um, has messed around a little bit uh, recently with Chance Wiggins. The, the past couple months, they've been recruiting him, uh, the Virginia Tech commitment out of Virginia, uh, to you know just kind of keeping things warm with him. They've yet to he's yet to report an offer from Tennessee, but they you know Kelsey Pope as recently as more than a, a little more than a week ago went to his playoff game up in Virginia and, and has kept an eye on him. So we'll see if Tennessee offers him or does anything else at wide receiver. Defensive line, there's a couple junior college guys to watch, Kamari Copeland and Jamal Wallace. Wallace will visit Tennessee this weekend. That's a big visit for him. He's, he's liked Tennessee for a long time, even before he got the Tennessee offer. So I think there's a, a real chance he ends up at Tennessee. Kamari Copeland's another guy who liked Tennessee when he visited last month. We'll, we'll see where that one goes down the stretch still. Uh, someone to, to keep an eye on there. And in the, in the secondary, they just hosted Jaron Sensabaugh, the cornerback from Innsworth in Nashville, on official visit official visit this past weekend. I think there's still a good chance he ends up at Tennessee. That, that visit went well for the Vols, and uh, he's still going to take his official visit to Missouri this weekend, but Tennessee's still, I think, in the best shape and, and the team to beat going into that final visit uh, as he looks to make a decision probably early next week. So still looking at a few more spots to – to fill if Tennessee can get what it wants down the stretch in the 2024 class. And then in addition to that, Tennessee will be hosting some visitors from the transfer portal this weekend. Uh, not sure yet 
exactly how many or which ones. And, and Tennessee will be making a number of visits this week and having a number of conversations over the next few days that will determine which of those players end up visiting and, and which other names might still be uh, pursued in the coming days that might not have Tennessee offers yet. But um, yeah, still a lot in play for Tennessee. And, and yeah, the transfer portal is a big part of that. Um, so it, it should be a, a pretty interesting next several days as Tennessee looks to uh, wrap up some visits here before the dead period officially starts Monday morning and uh, and looks to finish off this 2024 recruiting class. Yeah, it's always interesting, right, Ryan? It, it, it's sort of the pitfalls of, of podcasting in the portal era and this era in particular is that however long it takes me at the end of this to, to kind of clean this thing up and and and, you know, polish it, send it off, get it published you know, half an hour to an hour, depending on what's going on with the podcast and what's going on technically, a million things can happen in those 30 to 60 minutes, right? Like, so anytime we say anything, it's true at the time. And then it, you know, God knows, I mean, like you said, who knows who's going to come on, what they're going to go visits this week. Things can change quickly, right? We can come out and say something and it's true. And then later it's not, it's just kind of the way things are this time of year. And that's what makes it so fun, I think, for fans and stressful for fans also and that's what makes it interesting for us, I think. Absolutely. And yeah, just, I mean, just during this podcast, we've shown that with Tamaria McDonald uh, entering the transfer portal and, uh, you know, with, with news of, uh, of Danico Slaughter officially entering the transfer portal earlier. And, uh, and, and yeah, just a, a lot happening uh, t- today and, and over the past several days. And it's going to continue to be that way down the stretch. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> all we can say is stay tuned to, to go Vols 24 seven for all the latest. And, uh, and yeah, we'll do our best to, uh, to sort of wrap it all up for you here in, in podcasts as well. But there, there's a, there's a lot to keep track of, even though Tennessee's not made a, a bunch of additions, uh, yet there's still a lot to be decided and a lot that Tennessee, I think will add, um, if not in the coming days, remember the transfer portal window stays open until January 2nd. And that's just the deadline for players to enter. They could still add players who've already entered the portal any time before spring semester classes start in, you know, mid January or whenever that is, I forget the exact date, but this is going to play out over the next several weeks. So definitely stay tuned. Definitely expect Tennessee to make a number of additions and address a lot of needs. And, and yeah, a lot in the meantime, a lot's changing, a lot's happening and, and we'll keep you updated on, on everything as it happens every step of the way. And then there's post-spring portal activity and everything else, right? It never ends. It never ends. You're, uh, you're never as good. Uh, and uh, what's that, uh, that, that old newspaper saying, right? Like you're never as good or whatever until the, the next day's paper comes out. That's as long as you're good or bad until the next paper comes out. Now it's like until the next second appears. So um, it's just kind of the world we're in now. So we'll see. Ryan, I know you're on top of it, and I know you're busy. And I got to go uh, do some stuff, take to, uh, my son to some uh, doctor's appointments and whatnot too. So uh, we will probably go ahead and leave it there. But, but thanks for jumping in here, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 
on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, uh, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.